Pan, welcome to episode 31 of the Thoughtcast Conversations about Animation. I'm your host, Philip Elke, coming to you from Hollywood. Thanks for joining us. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, Hannah Lee Smart from Hibbing, Minnesota. How are you doing, Hannah? I'm good. I'm just like so ready to talk about Secret Life of Pets. Hi, everyone. Hey, hey. That's right. We're talking about Secret Life of Pets 2 today. Uh, anthropomorphic animals. I'd like to say this is one of the many installments of the uh, talking dogs genre um, slash, <laughs> <laughs> um, slash, you know, animals can talk, but not to humans slash what do pets do when no one's looking? Hannah, um, what did you think of Secret Life 2? Just to get right into it. Sure. So I thought it deserved more tomatoes, as I usually do. Um, it had like 58% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is just a site I tend to go to when I go to movies, just to kind of see what everyone else is thinking. Um, but then it had like a 91% audience rating. And I actually took my niece and my little cousin to the movie, and they were like cracking up the whole time. Um, a friend of mine I just talked to, she brought her six-year-old daughter, and they thought it was really funny. I thought that it was very... I saw the first Secret Life of Pets and I actually liked that one better, but this one I thought had like a lot of adventure and a lot of kid elements, which I think often are missing from animated movies these days. But it also had some adulting things that I wasn't too keen on for a kid's movie. Yeah, well, I, uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, Secret Life of Pets 2 uh, starring uh, First build, Patton Oswalt as the Jack Russell Terrier Max, and Kevin Hart as the uh, White Rabbit Snowball. Uh, also, Eric Stone Street returning. Uh, he was the second build in the first movie, as um, apparently he's a Newfoundland Duke. So I'm I'm not the most horribly familiar with the uh, Secret Life of Pets uh, <laughs> series of films. I, I did see the first one. This is from Illumination and Universal Pictures. Um, let's see. Also, let's get into the, the female cast. Uh, Jenny Slate voices the uh, lovable puffball Gidget. Uh, Lake Bell as uh, Chloe, the cat. Um, Tiffany Haddish joins the cast as uh, the Shih Tzu Daisy. Um, Love. Daisy. Yeah. Oh, cool. like my new mm -hmm. So yeah, we're, we're just uh, going straight to the sequel on the show here, the Thoughtcast. Um, so yeah, the talking dogs genre, the what do pets do when no one's there genre, um, anthropomorphic animals, uh, doesn't quite fall in line with the, the, uh, the furry contingency so much. Uh, speaking of the cosplay world, which of course you, Hannah, are very familiar with have you done a lot of like conventions or mostly just uh like parties that kind of thing um we actually just pretty much do the um the one biggest event but we don't actually cosplay per se i think i'm just more of like an actor that got roped into a show that evolves around a lot of people that do cosplay but mm -hmm. um i do have some friends that are doing some stuff and then we'll be going to d23 and that will be our first uh convention so that will be really cool and by we i mean jody and i and philip um so that will be very very fun and that'll be our first kind of big toe dip 
into the cosplay community, but we have tons of friends that are in, more involved in that now. Awesome. Well, what a great icebreaker for you. I, uh, my first fan convention was actually, you know, a big time industry convention as well uh, with San Diego Comic-Con. I had an absolute blast uh, my first time going there in 2011. Um, so that's, that's held usually July of every summer. I don't know if I'll be getting down to San Diego this year. Uh, I have been twice, but um, super fun time. I'm hugely looking forward to D23, though. That's also, <laughs> be sure, there are, there are lots of conventions around the country that invite you know, big special guests, actors, and creators, um, have lots of cool like fan get-togethers and panels. Um, but some, some of these events actually do have a lot of, like, you know, impact on the entertainment industry in general. Um, and, you know, D23 is definitely towards the top in terms of its, you know, press uh, significance. Uh, so, yeah, lots of press conferences. I'm sure we'll be finding out a whole load more information on Frozen and Disney animation, Pixar animation. Um, really looking forward to that. Um, and, and we'll keep you posted here on the Thodcast as well. But yeah, um, so animals, talking animals especially, are a popular subject in animation, uh, dating all the way back to some of the earliest uh, animated cartoons. Um, and I feel like this movie or this, you know, franchise in days of yore, uh, you know, back in days of <laughs> antiquity, like the early Mickey Mouse cartoons, Max Fleischer cartoons, um, they, uh, these would have been like a, a series of shorts that they would premiere before feature films, you know, back in, in the old uh, cinema houses. Um, but um, yeah, and, and nowadays, um, you know, uh, feature films are far more prevalent. Um, and animated spin-offs are also very common too for some of these large mainstream uh, animated features. Um, there has not been an, a TV spin-off for Secret Life of Pets, although it would be very, I think, conducive to that, that sort of treatment. Um, what yeah. Do you think? Mm -hmm. um, I think that animals are very typical in animation and talking animals. I was one of those kids that I was gung-ho that my dog was going to speak to me one day because of movies like this. So if not just for the entertainment in the theater, it could be entertainment at home. The parents could be like, did you just, did you just hear the dog? My dog's name was Lucky. Did you just, did you just hear Lucky uh, talk to you? Did he just tell you to clean your room? Oh, oh. Mm -hmm. That definitely was um, a fun time in my house. Mm -hmm. I was always, wow, really? Never heard it. Yeah. I, I kind of like how this trope of talking animals is just so like flagrantly combined with, you know, the, the trope of the animated sitcom in, you know, the TV show Family Guy, where you, you just have a, a talking dog that's interacting with the family and is treated as, as just totally passe. Normal. Yeah. <laughs> with, with Brian. And by others in the community. Yeah. He's, he's just like a normal member of the community, but he just he <laughs> happens to be a dog. 
and he's talking to people. It's it is Wild. kind of ingenious. Yeah, there there definitely was some thought put into that idea. Um, but yeah, in this case, they they do, they do play the talking animals trope straight, where you know the animals can't talk to humans. They can sort of understand humans. Um, as far as we know, they can understand humans perfectly. Um, but they, you know, don't always necessarily understand other animals very well. It is kind of a blurry line as to, you know, which animals can talk and which ones can't. Yeah, I feel like it, um, it's pretty good. I think that they, uh, they kind of pulled the Toy Story thing where you play animal when the humans come home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, I mean, I remember the marketing campaign for the first film, and I feel like that's what heavily sold that, that first film, which did very, very well commercially. Um, the, the opening box office for this one, Secret Life of Pets 2, was less than half the original. Um, the original wow. did, yeah, did like 100 million domestically at the opening weekend. Um, this one did, you know, 40-something. Um, so... <laughs> I, I think, yeah, I mean, it, I'd it's, still like 40 million. That'd be nice. Yeah, I don't, it's not necessarily a testament to the quality of the sequel compared to the original, but I, I don't think the sequel necessarily had that real viral uh, appeal that the first one did. Uh, the first sure. one, yeah, riding the wave of just the um, titanic success of the. Uh, Despicable Me films and the Minions movies. Um, this one, you know, that's kind of died down, that whole phenomenon. Um, so um, we're seeing a little bit more natural outcome with this time around. Not not quite so nuts as the uh, the previous iteration. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. Yeah. This this movie will make money. It's these illumination films. Um, they're a little bit more modestly budgeted than than a lot of the big animated films put out by major studios like DreamWorks, Disney, Pixar. Um, this one's but budgeted at eighty million apparently. Um, so it's you know. It's doing fine, just not quite the smash of the first one. And that's okay a little bit, maybe. <laughs> oh, I mean, who knows? It's, it's a disappointing to be sure that they weren't quite able to knock it out of the park, um, but it's not a death knell for illumination. Besides, The Grinch, which was made by the same company, um, did very well. I think it did unexpectedly well last year. Um, so it's everything's everything is fine uh and i will jump into like the the quality of the film i said i liked it you you basically liked it but i i would say it's, it wasn't like mind-blowingly good it was it was just yeah very i mean it, it wasn't my favorite film um i more so cared about the i'm just not so quick to judge things like the animation quality I feel like that's more your forte you like you understand that stuff I'm looking for is it good children's entertainment um and I'm looking for like does it have a good plot and the characters and obviously if it had choppy animation or something I would notice but before joining this podcast I never really paid too close of attention to the different um the different types of animation but I think 
I liked it overall. Mm-hmm. I do think there was like some points that I didn't love, but yeah, we'll get in into general. those. I so the concept of like a Secret Life of Pets um, series speaks to the fact that that this film kind of um, does that, but just happens to stretch three intertwining uh, storylines into one film. Uh, so we right. have yeah the three separate stories going on, um, and they all could have probably been their own separate short films if you wanted to go that route. But I kind of like how they uh, they just kind of put them all here together, uh, interwove them thematically, and um, you know within they they overlap in terms of timeline. Um, and I, I think it was effectively it was just very relaxing. I kind of felt like I was watching Saturday morning cartoons as a kid. Um, and it, it worked for me. It wasn't, you know, it didn't feel like a blockbuster, but as like a more <laughs> modestly budgeted uh, animated feature, um, I, I wasn't disappointed. Sure. Yeah, I think it was, uh, it was good. Mm-hmm. Do you want to jump into like right at the beginning? Yeah, um, this movie starts off with um, the character Max, right? There's a, there's narration um, right. set in New York. But what it, yes, that's what it really starts with. When they brought in that Jay-Z, Alicia Keys moment, the music in this movie was so good. Mm. I completely forgot about that song and immediately they played like three notes and I was so ready. I was like, let's hear it for New York. Like, I could just do it with her all day. It was <laughs> so good. And my niece was like, what are you doing? I was like, I love this song. Obviously, I wasn't singing in the theater, but I was very excited when I heard that song. Awesome. Yes, the Empire State of Mind. Um, the first movie actually begins with the Taylor Swift song from her 1989 album, uh, Welcome, <laughs> Welcome to New York. Um, <laughs> I happen to like that one as well. I love that. Yeah. I love that they just bring in all the all the pop for us. Taylor Swift actually provided a voice for one of the Illumination films. She was in the Lorax. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I I almost thought that she was maybe a voice in in one of these, like maybe the owner or something. But that's actually um, so you have Katie. She's the human character who is the owner of Max and uh, and Duke. Um, voiced by Ellie Kemper. Um, so she lives in Manhattan. Um, I, I'm not sure what section of Manhattan. I think it's close to the Brooklyn Bridge, it seems like. Um, but I, I really like the stylization of the New York cityscape in this movie. Um, what did you think of, of like the design of the, the landscape? I thought it was it was good. It was like pretty accurate. I've been to New York a hundred times and I thought it was pretty funny. And there was a lot of um, like inside New York things that people might not notice. And I loved that the apartments, the dogs and the cats and the whoever, all the animals knew that they could get to the apartments by the fire escape, which that's kind of vintage New York. Now in New York, you don't see as many of them, but there's definitely still lots of fire escapes in lots of neighborhoods they're just not that nice (laughs) yeah the fire escapes were pretty i don't know extensive like not you could really lose out on some privacy 
with the way yeah, that... <laughs> they all had like a landing almost like mm-hmm. a patio and it's like oh they have like all the stairs for your ladder you're lucky <laughs> just like a whole staircase that you know a whole other yeah. staircase. um but yeah it make, makes for a good setting to you know have these characters these pets that are interacting with each other um they they'll often like get together and do like rager parties <laughs> at, at one of their you know in, yeah. in, uh, one of their homes um i remember in, like in the first one one of the best moments from that first like um trailer uh in in their marketing was like the the fancy poodle who's into like heavy metal music you know he was just so <laughs> well groomed and proper but then when his owner leaves he starts blasting the stereo and like has a big you know, raves at his at his apartment yeah so lots of unruly animal activities of course in, the, in these films um, yeah you never got like super obnoxious though for me like you can really go over to the top pretty quickly with like animal hijinks um but i i think this movie kept it a little more reserved than the first one and, and focus more on, on the story, uh, which, which I appreciated. Right. Yeah. I thought it was very, um, I just loved it. I love like dogs having a personality. Like mm-hmm. um, there was a part of the film where Gidget pops out of the dishwasher and she's like getting a spa treatment. Mm-hmm. I think that's disgusting to have a dog in the dishwasher, but it was just so clever. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, this movie doesn't adhere to logic all that well, <laughs> but there's enough of it for me. Like, I'm a big fan of logic in films. You have to really have internal consistency in order for um, a story to be effective. It doesn't necessarily have to be consistent with reality, but within the reality of that world, what was she really doing a full wash cycle in the dishwasher, or was she just like... Was it after the cycle had ended and then she just hopped in and like took advantage of the warm, you know, sauna uh, environment? <laughs> I don't know. Because, <laughs> yeah, I don't think a dog would make it through a full cycle of a dishwasher. <laughs> no, she was just in for a quick steam. Yeah. She's a fabulous girl, that Gidget. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't check what kind of dog she's supposed to be, but I'm guessing like a Pomeranian or something. Yeah, she looked like a Pomeranian. Mm-hmm. She was in the she was in the first one. Yeah. She's the one that saves everyone. I don't remember the first one that well, but uh She's did... the star. She's not really the star, but she okay. she's she's pretty good. Um Max is actually like kind of mean to her in the first one, and then she like mm. saves the day and he's like, Oh, Gidget, who are you? She's like, I saved you. You're welcome. Just kidding. But pretty good. I'd watch the first one. Very heroic okay. in this one. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about checking it out again. I remembered it fairly well. Um, I mean, it, it it was fun. It had some great gags, of course, like we saw in, in the trailers. But um, like it did kind of get a little madcap bonkers. Um, it, it was fine. <laughs> it was fine. Um yeah, the the designs of these films aren't aren't quite my favorite, but there were pl- the animals are pretty cute. The the, the um, sort of exaggerated quality of the the animals are kind of hit and miss for me. Um, but um, overall, 
like like Duke, for example. It's like, what is he supposed to be? <laughs> he's got his I mouth. Love he's, him. Like, he's good, yeah. <laughs> he is mm-hmm. so cute and so fluffy, and I would adopt Duke any day. Um, yeah. but you said Mad Cat Bonkers, which made me remember. Um, at the beginning of the film, so we meet Katie and she, or not meet, we are reintroduced to the family and she's mm-hmm. married and then um, she brings him to the veterinarian mm-hmm. and then that mad cat. So that part was something that kind of bothered me a little bit um, because instead of teaching kids like, oh, like a veterinarian, if this one, sir, um, that particular veterinarian concentrated mm-hmm. on behavioral issues so in human terms behavioral issues are like mental health Mm -hmm. um and it almost seemed like one of the animals that cat was like schizophrenic or something not to diagnose because i'm nowhere near a doctor but there was so many different mental disorders that were so cliche that you could pick up from the different animals in the clinic Mm -hmm. and i wish instead of them freaking out they would have made it so it would have been more accepted because that's such a red flag now. Mm-hmm. And I really think that they could have taken that one second, not that they needed to make the whole movie about it or make it a huge deal, but just kind of give a moment of accepting mental disabilities and like mental health behavioral issues and things like that. And thinking like, oh, it's okay. Like when he got the cone, I thought he was going to learn how to accept his cone. I don't know. Mm. But eventually he just busted it off and did his own thing and it was not a thing. And I was like, what? (laughs) Why did they even have that part? (laughs) Yeah, he refers to the veterinarian as a therapist at one point. Yeah. So it's 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 a little... mm -hmm. Therapists aren't bad. (laughs) They're fine. Let them help you. A little heavy handed. Yeah, some some of those <laughs> things were clunky. Like we start fires. Those two crazy, like yeah, uh, the like shining have, cats. Like, <laughs> real problems with that. You can't be like telling kids, "Oh, if another kid does, you just start a fire, laugh at them." Like no, like tell a grown up, get them help, and like the grown up should be okay, and like get them a therapist. <laughs> I don't know. I, to the vet. The the whole idea of like mental therapists for pets, though, is a is a little. It's a stretch, like a comedic stretch. And so it, it makes kind of for, for fodder for a cartoon like this. I, I know if you're applying that sure. same same logic to like human characters, then it gets a, a lot more, you know. I'm more so strained. applying it to like mm-hmm. teaching kids a lesson through a movie. That is true. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times these these things are played for laughs and maybe aren't the most well thought through but um when when you start <laughs> to consider that your primary audience is going to be kids then yeah you have to be careful and and i know these these jokes do edge I, that's the thing about a lot of these illumination films though they like for me they're a bit too saccharine at times but they also can go pretty dark um, yeah like i actually picked that up a few times in this film and i think you're totally right um that they're not as child-friendly as one would like them to be. But I also kind of brought this up in Missing Link. I don't like violence in children's films. And I do understand that there has to be like an action scene. So like the bunny being a superhero, I'm jumping ahead a bit, but like the bunny being a superhero was like totally great for me and fighting crime is perfect. But like, okay, tell me if I can say this or not on the podcast, but like, don't say pissed. Like what's wrong with you? This is a kid's movie. (laughs) 
I don't know. Oh that's... my god! And they said like some other stuff that was just so adult. Don't yeah, do it. It's a they, kids movie. They said it's it's PG film. It's I mean, I oh. I would uh, you know defend the decision if it if it makes sense in the context. Who said who said pissed? I'm trying to remember. Um, I think maybe the rabbit. I don't remember who said pissed. Okay. Yeah. But it was just so irritating mm-hmm. to me. And they're lucky my niece that I brought with me, she's 10, but mm-hmm. and she was the younger of the two that I brought. So like she's a little older, so she's heard it before. Mm-hmm. But I was just like, if I brought her when she was like three or four. And there's some character that they've been like trying to get her to love the whole film, screaming pissed. I would have <laughs> lost my cookies. And I yeah. get it's PG, so that means mm-hmm. like parental guidance the parents should watch. But like, mm-hmm. maybe they should write that on Rotten Tomatoes and tell it, instead of telling me it has 58 tomatoes, tell me that they said pissed yeah. so I know. I I mean, I need my movies to have a little bit of teeth and sometimes throwing in some salty <laughs> language helps in that regard. It's certainly not a, a fix-all. Um, and you know, but I, I I totally get where you're coming from too. It's uh, you, you have to be. It has and to I'm really fine not if I stand out. To an adult movie, and they do that. But I'm not yeah. cool if it's like, if it's catering to children, mm-hmm. it should cater to children. Yeah, this one really and kids was. Kids shouldn't say that. <laughs> Hopefully. Absolutely. Um. Yeah. The so we have the family thing it's sort of like lady in the tramp where you know there's the young kid we see him grow up to the you know toddler age and then he goes to preschool Mm -hmm. liam yeah um max you know is he develops that nervous tick because he's very protective of liam so there there really isn't a whole lot of conflict surrounding like the prioritization of the kid over the the pets um, but that is mainly him just getting over his own, you know, neurotic tendencies. Um, and it, it, that's helped mostly by going to the farm. Um, uncle Shep, you know, is the, the owner of this farm. I don't know if he's related to Chuck, the, uh, the husband, um, or, or what that's kind of a funny design on, uh, Uncle Shep, where you can't see his eyes. That's always <laughs> <laughs> kind of uh, an e- a shorthand in animation where like if you have a minor character and you don't want to spend too much time having to, you know, if, if, yeah, if, if you want to, I don't know, cut corners a little bit, I guess, just don't animate the eye, cover up the eyes. <laughs> um, not, but it also works to comedic effect as well. So it wasn't, you know, wasn't uncalled for right and while they're at the farm they meet my new best friend rooster who uh is who is that hugh hugh jackman no not hugh jackman yeah harrison Um, ford harrison ford the other hottie harrison ford (laughs) yes the the kind of geriatric hottie at this point (laughs) oh Um, my god no he's not i mean he's in his 70s my big hero indiana jones Mm -hmm. forever babe Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh my god one of the greatest (laughs) actors and one of the greatest movie stars of all time harrison ford okay yeah that too um but like not a ton of star power i would say in in this movie and these are all you know very 
talented celebrities. Yeah. But, um, and then he's he's Rooster, the dog, which yeah. I loved, by the way. When he said, <laughs> my name's written on the side of the bowl, and he turns it, and they're like, chicken? Mm-hmm. Love it. I love chicken jokes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he uh, he doesn't buy into the uh, the mental health uh, philosophy that necessarily Max prescribes to um, Duke. On the other hand, like he was adopted from the street, I believe in the first film. Like Max was, I, I think, obtained as a puppy. Um, yeah, Duke yeah. doesn't care if he sleeps outside. Rooster thinks you're weird <laughs> if you sleep inside, and the Max is like, "Oh my god, he's like me, Hilton mm-hmm. Double Tree life." <laughs> it was a little callous of Uncle Shep to just be like, hey, no dogs in the house. It's like, I know, if, and they're like, what? <laughs> if you have a house dog, then, I mean, what's wrong with, it's not like he's going to make a bigger mess of this country, you know, farmhouse. But I don't know, maybe <laughs> someone's, yeah. If that's just the policy, then sure. Sure. Um, so they get to the farm. Uh, there's a Jurassic Park reference when the turkey charges at max <laughs> it makes the t-rex uh, roar um, they they start making fun of the cow by making cow noises but then you know kind of subverts the only pets can talk um sort of cliche where yeah the, these livestock can also talk for the most <laughs> part the pig the pig never talks um the, the sheep do. You'd think if any animal could talk, it'd be a pig because they're supposedly as intelligent as dogs, if not more so. Well, and the pig could talk in the last movie. Okay, yeah. He just probably, so, yeah. double standard. I'm sure he could. He just, you know, couldn't be Didn't. bothered. <laughs> <laughs> can't be bothered. Just can't be bothered to talk to these peasants from New York City. That's right. I don't know what 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 all happens of significance. There's the bit with the the sheep, the the lost. Lamb. Yeah. So the sheep gets out, and Max has to face his fears because they say that he's afraid of everything, and then he has to rescue this sheep off the side of the cliff, and this tree starts falling, Emperor's New Groove style. But then he saves the sheep, and then Rooster saves him, and Max has some courage, and that courage eventually. Um, spoiler alert, helps him watch Liam go to preschool. Yes, yes. So that was lots of skipping the other two plots that are happening at the same time. But that's <laughs> plot number one, farm. That's true. Uh, fun fact, uh, Rooster is a Welsh sheepdog. Um, of course, yeah, one of the best moments featured in the trailer um, was involved, you know, the removal of the cone. Uh, won't won't spoil it here but um the uh obviously we tend to go into full spoilers on these shows apologies for not mentioning it <laughs> mentioning it sooner but yeah full spoilers for secret life of pets 2 uh, from here on out um yeah so what what so we could go into two uh diverging paths here Hannah which one do you want to tackle first I'm ready for everything, but <laughs> I did love Gidget with Busy Bee the most. Okay. Um, so if you want to go there first. Also, I looked it up, and she is supposed to be a Pomeranian, which works perfectly with her character. Mm, yeah. So she has a crush on Max. It's, it's sort of unrequited. Um, I wonder, because I'm 
I don't remember for sure, but like there probably was a bit with Max getting fixed in, in the first film. Like, uh, I, I think that's probably established, you know, that, that <laughs> I think he has like a thing for her, but she loves him way more than he loves her. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Not that, you know, having the proper, you know, ability to, you know, produce children, nece- you know, is necessarily, you know, required for romance, <laughs> romance. Done. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if, if he's a little bit aloof, like, I don't think he's has um, any other romantic interests uh, besides her. Yeah, I think um, she's, uh, she's good to go. She's the queen bee of the apartment and mm-hmm. he loves her enough or likes her enough as a dog mm-hmm. um, to watch Busy Bee, which is his favorite toy. Mm-hmm. So um, with Busy Bee, sorry if I'm like telling this part, but Busy Bee, she loses Busy Bee in the cat apartment and she has to become a cat to do it. So then Chloe teaches her how to be a cat. And they kind of peruse the apartment and they have the bit with the, um, (laughs) with the little red dot light, which I also loved. And when she catches the dot, she becomes like their queen. And then she rides out on the little Roomba vacuum, which has the little light. And they're like, wow, she is the queen of the red dot. She must be the queen of us. And that's how she gets busy bee. That's funny. Yeah, she uh, excels at being a cat. That that was a yeah. moment. Um, yeah, the uh, I have here my the three separate plot lines. Uh, you know, the city dogs go to the farm, uh, but this one I describe as uh, dog loses best friend's toy at Sid's house. <laughs> oh my gosh! So, yes. Yeah, um, bringing in the Toy Story parallels. Uh, of course, the first film, you know, Duke's entry into the household was much like, you know, Bud, Buzz Lightyear's arrival on the scene back at Andy's house. Um, so, yeah, the in this film, we have the, you know, the escape from Sid's house and uh, the crazy cat lady, you know, who, with all her, you know, the, the the crazy cats would have worked by themselves as the sort of deranged <laughs> maniacal character sub, you know element right. in this film versus but like she the... <laughs> brings it to the next level and she's their big getaway driver when the time comes yeah yeah these, all these cats are they end up being redeemed quite heavily later in the film um she, <laughs> i guess she she takes good care of her cats even but when you have that many in such a confined space space they're bound yeah, to go it's probably a little animal <laughs> control call maybe That's, yes um yeah uh that was that was fun the pomeranians are a bit cat-like i've i've had two uh from ever since childhood oh cute um, <laughs> we we would often uh lovingly refer to them as uh a kitty <laughs> cute yeah so um Gypsy and then Angel uh, were, were our, they were, they were each half Pomeranian. Um, so Cute. I, I had I two like, yeah. dogs. I had a dog named Lucky and then I had a dog named Gracie. Um, 
And I don't really know what kind of dog Gracie was, but I think she was like a Shih Tzu or something. She was just tiny and gray. And then Lucky was like a Dalmatian. Mm. Wow, Dalmatian. Cool. I know. I was popping as a kid with my Dalmatian pal Lucky, who (laughs) was named after the shout out to Britney Spears song, Lucky. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I was super, I'm a big nerd. So there's mm-hmm. that. But anyways, mm-hmm. so our cat lady is crazy, but mm-hmm. Gidget saves the day. I, oh, the, the bit like where she's learning to be a cat was pretty fun too. I, yeah. Um, with th- Chloe. Yeah. I, I mentioned on a previous episode, like the moment that was pretty nasty, um, from the trailer is where the pug like <laughs> is in the litter box um you know and that that moment sort of pays off later where like gidget refuses to go into the litter box after that um so she she got one pass during the cat training session with chloe um so she must therefore she must uh participate in in the next training you know round of training which is to eat sweet pea (laughs) and um oh my god and she (laughs) does it (laughs) spoiler alert well (laughs) yeah only temporarily but um so that that was one of the more funny bits i thought yes um yeah what uh, we we but did you have uh, another follow-up to the uh, the Gidget subplot? Um, I just loved Gidget. I loved her the first time. I loved her now. And I think she's one of my favorites. I also love Daisy a lot because she's so, so sassy. Oh, yeah. She, she comes in. Um, she's a neighboring pet as well, but new to this film, right? She, she just returned from like a trip on a plane where she discovered this um, tiger. Are they called kittens? Baby tigers? <laughs> oh, also, yeah. yeah. Tiger cub. There you go. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a tiger cub, uh, like uh, the, the white kind of tiger. Is that a Siberian tiger or something? Anyways. Well, yeah, Siberian because um, this tiger purchased by the circus owner called uh sergey he's a he was a cool villain i, I hate his guts <laughs> yeah ma- made for an effective villain but obviously a very disgusting individual uh, very abusive towards animals the uh that was really dark when you find out that he uses his wolves pelts as his coat <laughs> yeah yuck yeah i really did not Mm -hmm. like him and i hate circuses to begin with so he already had all my cards stacked against him yeah he's he's like dressed like a like the freaking wicked witch of the west (laughs) yeah he's disgusting and she's a lot better than him yeah i'm a wicked fan so The, the tiger was so cute who the tiger yes who the tiger is so cute who's not cute? To, who? not to break into uh, Abbott and Costello bit <laughs> yeah so that this brings us to like our our third subplot there was a little 
th- thing with like Dana Carvey is he's the old like bloodhound on in a wheelchair and he's taking care of young puppies. I don't know. Did that go anywhere? It was kind of funny. Yeah, it was like, I don't know. That was kind of a waste of time, but it was only 86 minutes long. So they needed it. The puppies were cute. Yeah. And oh, that's who said pissed, not the bunnies. It was Pops. He said Pickles is pissed. The little dog. Okay. Yeah. And it's like, don't say pissed. (laughs) It just means drunk if you're British. Okay, well, he wasn't British, right? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> it's like, God, that ticked me off. <laughs> but yes, they go to Pops and try to put the tiger there after they get him away. That's right. And then um, who gets kicked out because makes a little bit of a mess. Um, and then they go to Max's apartment and sneak him right out of there when they come back from the farm, which is finally when everyone's together and the plot starts meshing to one plot, um, which was cute. The, and well, then, yeah, what? a snowball and uh, Daisy rescued who from the circus and that provided us with a little action sequence you know, before yes. the, everything comes together. Which I was like fine with that action sequence. Like I thought that was fine. The kids were mm-hmm. giggling when the, um, when the wolf went into the the little Ferris wheel ride, whatever it's called. Pratt fall. I, I know they, they call those like the frog hopper. I know at a couple amusement parks I've been to, just like yeah. that spring ride, which, you know, bounces people up in the air on a, you know, seated platform. <laughs> on, you're just freestyling <laughs> it in a seat belt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, Daisy's pretty badass. She she can she takes out these wolves. It's it's a little unrealistic, but hey, she's you know Tiffany Haddish. She can do anything. She's the hardest working person in Hollywood. <laughs> she can do anything. But um, and then we kind of return to this uh, action um, plot thread. You know, of course, Snowball is you know he's got delusions about being a superhero there's actually a 2d animated sequence early in the movie where he's having like a little fantasy um and like the the other characters overhear him pretending to be a superhero it's pretty funny yeah but um and he's not useless i i wouldn't say that like he helps lead uh max to the circus to rescue who and daisy and then max does his little uh, rooster maneuver when they're trying to catch up with the train. Um, he, you know, reaches down to grab Snowball as Snowball is just about to fall from the, the train. So that was a, a nice callback. Yes. And I think um, that was honestly like the best part of the movie was the whole train sequence. And it showed when Max got his courage. He, he goes full Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible on this train. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, what happened to Duke? I, like, I feel like he kind of got the short shrift. He on literally this. was like nothing in this movie. It's kind of sad. Yeah, it was like Max's movie and Duke was like the side hustle, like fuzzy bear every once in a while. Yeah, he's, he's the Chewbacca of these movies. He's, he's almost just kind of in the background. Yeah. yeah. 
he, he didn't get his medal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the um, the next one, maybe he'll be the star. Maybe. Or, or big the, day. the series. I don't know. They're actually making a theme park attraction at Universal Studios. Uh, oh, cute. I, yeah, I got to check which uh, which park is it going to be. Um, Universal Studios Hollywood announced huh. the new attraction entitled The Secret Life of Pets Off the Leash, which is set to be opened <laughs> in 2020. Cute. Yeah. Um, but um, so, yeah, the train sequence uh, might make for a fun theme park attraction. <laughs> hint, hint. Um, the, Max actually gets knocked off the train by the the wolves i believe or I, what what exactly do you remember how he um, i fell off don't the remember how he got knocked off the train but he i think it was the was monkey it? oh there was a monkey yeah i forgot about the monkey just he was ruthless he was vicious the little monkey yeah the monkey was a little crazy yeah but there's a thankfully like a massive bend around which the train must travel and so you know loops around max is able to jump back on from uh uh from over the top of this tunnel um and that's when he goes just full uh hulk smash <laughs> into uh the the cockpit of the train um causes it to it doesn't derail doesn't but the conductor pulls the brakes and um while all this is going on, Gidget and the cats and the, and the cat lady are um, chasing after the train, the car. It's pretty great. Yes, with the crazy cat lady at the at the driver's seat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> crazy cat lady. Um, yeah, and Sergey is apprehended like he gets <laughs> taken out practically. Uh, that was... Um, I mean, he deserved it, but he uh, he certainly um, suffered intensely at the hands of these these pets. They just sort of drive away, right? He never gets arrested, or I, no. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think anything yeah. happens to him. I think he just moves right along, which is annoying because animal cruelty. Um, but. So all the animals come back together. They have the cat and kind of this is the end happily ever after they put that cat. Oh my gosh. The tiger mm -hmm. with the crazy cat lady. And she <laughs> just thinks he's a kitty. <laughs> well, uh, at least he's got someone who loves him. Yes. And Honestly, it's the perfect fit. And I knew he was going to end up there the whole time. When they were, like, figuring out the apartments, I'm like, put him with the cat lady. She can't even see. And she would just love to have another cat. She wouldn't even notice. <laughs> totally. All right. And then well, Snowball becomes a princess. That's right. And he's down with it. And he sings panda, 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 panda. And I'm like, what? <laughs> but, okay. <laughs> I yeah, liked some, it. Some good little memeable moments here yeah kevin hart uh as snowball he uh he was very like demented in the first film he hated humans uh he was part of like that homeless band of sewer pets um it didn't make sense to me how in the first film his 
you know, fur coat was all white and pristine. They, they should have maybe given him a little bit more of a matted look. <laughs> um, yeah, but it was still good. Mm -hmm. And his little rap was the finale. And then mm -hmm. now we, we don't know. He's a princess. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Movie next. number three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, that was fun. I mean, it kind of reminds me of some of the adventures and like the some of the later Warner Brothers cartoons, like Looney or um, you know, Tiny Toons Adventures, Animaniacs. I love Animaniacs. Um, I don't know, and, and of course, the that that show could get very irreverent at times. So it kind of lines up tonally with this one. Yep, I think so too. Yeah. Um, well, thanks everyone for joining us for our little discussion on Secret Life of Pets. Um, I don't know what uh, any final thoughts, Hannah, from you. I think that it was. I didn't like when they said pissed, but other than that, I thought it was okay. The plot was a little all over the place, but overall it was a good little kid's flick to take your kid to on $5 Tuesday. Yeah, totally. Not something I would necessarily, you know, emphasize that you rush out to see in theaters right away. Um, but yeah, it, it was get it on a red box. Yeah, it was fun. Um, support good animation um that the animation was it, it looked really you know high quality <laughs> uh i guess that's all i'll say i mean it's you know I, I like the design of the city as i mentioned it's kind of a cool trippy forced perspective look on the, uh, the buildings in new york um th this one fun fact uh Patton oswald is the lead character i i had no idea uh until after that he was replacing Louis C.K. as Max. I, I thought it would yeah, have been well, him. Yeah, well, there was time. a little scandal with that, so he couldn't yeah. uh, be in a kid's movie at the time. Yeah, well, Patton Oswalt provides the voice for Remy in Ratatouille. Yeah, so um, very great performances all around. Um, yeah, so thanks again for listening to the Thodcast. Conversations about animation. Uh, where can the good folks at home find you, Hannah? They can find me on Instagram at Hannah Lee Ever After, um, H-A-N-N-A-H-L-E-I-G-H, Ever, E-V-E-R, After, A-F-T-E-R, like fairy tales and animation. Awesome. Everyone listening can find the show at Thodcast on Instagram and Twitter. Visit Thodcast.com. I'm Philip Elke. You can find me on social media at Philip Elke. Write into the show at genresavvypodcast at gmail.com. And uh, stay tuned next week for more conversations about animation coming to you from the Thodcast. Thank you all so much for listening. Have a magical day and a wonderful week.